You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Shiprock's 2022 lineup has been announced, and we can't believe how awesome it is either. So go ahead and check out the artist lineup at shiprock.com and get your cabins booked today. We look forward to seeing you on the ship. Making waves. Making Waves, episode 45. Welcome, everyone. And we're super stoked because we have, uh, well, the guitarist for our Shiprock 2022 headliner, uh, Lamb of God. Please welcome Mark Morton. Mark, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this has been a thrill. When we announced this one, uh, we got hit with a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of metalheads, a lot of people out there in the metal world. Uh, we're stoked to, uh, to, to be uh, hearing about this episode. So they're going to chime in and and give it a listen. So uh, we're going to have a lot of ears and eyes on this one. So we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And uh, we know you've, uh, well, you're, you're a new father again. So uh, congratulations. So again, thank you. thank you for your time. No, it's but, my uh, pleasure. Yeah. Exciting days for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And exciting days going along as 2021 is kind of starting to unfold for people. And you guys have a tour coming up. That's a big co-headlining tour in the fall that we'll get to. But first thing we want to talk about is is some of your solo work. Uh, Ether was 2020, came out really, a, it was a 2020, right? Yeah, it was released in yeah. January of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, right there before the, before the wheels kind of came off. But uh, it's really an interesting departure from what people really do expect from you as far as your what you're noted for. Um, yeah, I, I think that was sort of the point, you know, um, Ether. And then I did um, the a year before in 2019, I did a full length LP called Anesthetic as, as a solo artist as well. Um, so it, it's Ether did, it came out sort of right before the COVID thing took off. And I was able to do a, a, a small tour of the UK, um, like an acoustic tour in support of Ether. So that was really, I felt really fortunate in hindsight that I was able to get that in, you know, right before everything kind of locked down. Um, but yeah, I think you know, for me, the, the point of the solo stuff really is to stretch out a bit. Um, I have always, you know, for better or worse, considered myself kind of a, a blues rock guitar player that just happens to be in a thrash metal band. Um, so I, I think that's a wonderful place to be. And I, I'm grateful to have that spot. Um, but it has at times um, left me kind of yearning to stretch out and get outside of the box a little bit outside of the lane of Lamb of God. So um, a few years back, I started working on some solo stuff that was a little more rock oriented, um, a, a little more straightforward rock, a little less heavy metal. Uh, and Anesthetic, the LP was the first project of that. We had a, we had a big, song on that record with Chester Bennington, the late, great Chester Bennington. We had a song called Cross Off. Um, that was a pretty big song. And then I followed that up the next year with the Ether EP that you're talking about, which was more acoustic based. 
Yeah, I was going to ask, it tends to these things that be some way to kind of stretch your legs, kind of give people a look at somewhat of your influences and the stuff that you do away from here. But let's go back to aesthetic real quick. You pull some performances out of people, notably to me when I listen to the record, is what you got out of Josh Todd. Right. That sounds like an outlier, but it's like, man, he went full metal thrash vocal. And I was like, and at first I listened to it like three or four times, like who's singing? And I'm like, Josh Todd, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so again, they were kind of coming to you going, hey, help me step outside my box for a moment. And let me be on this record. Josh was one of come together. Yeah, Josh was one of the first ones that kind of, you know, got on the roster. And I really did that record in terms of, you know, sort of pairing the song to the vocalist um, pretty consistently top to bottom, which was, my producer, Josh Wilbur, and I were, were kind of pre-producing the record and, and writing the songs and putting together demos. And there were a lot of the songs that I wrote lyrics for, so I was like just doing a vocal demo. I sang one song on the album, but I was that that's on the album, but I was singing the demos for a lot of them. And we were listening back just to kind of hear like who would we hear on this song? Who do we hear? And that particular song, Back from the Dead, um, it just felt very like very kind of strutty Los Angeles, very throwback kind of rock feel to it. Um, and, you know, sunset strippy glory days of like, sure, sure. you know, attitude rock. Um, a little heavy too, coming in with my metal influence. But, um, and I just, I was like, man, I need like a rock star on this song. And Josh Todd's, a, I mean, he's, they don't make them like that anymore. There are very few guys that like walk the walk like that. Um, and Josh is one of those guys and he, he killed that one. I love that you picked up on that because uh, you know, that's, that's not one of the first few people kind of talk about, um, mm. you know, it's, it's a bit more of an album track, but I, I think Josh just crushed that. Yeah. Well, those records like this are always about the kind of the deeper cuts, but the one song you can never escape is the one with Mark Lanigan, because when you have someone that iconic and that voice just, it's like Nick Cave, right? It, it just is, sticks man. out. I'm just like such a huge Lanigan fan of pretty much everything he's ever done on Back to the Screaming Trees. Um, I got to see the Screaming Trees back in the 90s and was a fan of all that stuff. And of course, his work with Queens and his solo work and uh, the great thing about that situation is Mark and I have become friends. Um, we, we still keep up. Uh, I, I co-wrote a couple songs on his last album uh, with him, um, went to his studio and recorded them. So we, we, you know, we it's kind of developed a, a, a working friendship um, over the course of, of that song we did together on anesthetic. So that's, that's been one of the great byproducts of that. Not to mention that's, I mean, it's easy, you know, I, I go down the list on that album and like every song, I'm like, well, that's my favorite song on the album. Well, that's my favorite song on the album. But sure. that Lanigan one's really, really special for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to mention, uh, I think I heard this rumor and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but even when you took take and look at Cross Off, that sort of like, uh, was that like something that you were working on with Chester like back in 2017 or even earlier? I heard a rumor that it was like something that you were working on and then it came out after, you know, with this record, but it just had been like a thing that you had to hear, like, oh, we'll see what where, where it kind of works well, in, we, in my release pad. We were working on it um, for this, the project that it was, there was just, um, it was a couple years from the time we worked on it oh. until the time um, it was released. And um, 
unfortunately, in that window of time is also when Chester passed. But yeah. no, so we had been working on it um, for my album. Um, and we did work on it together. It was, uh, I had I had an outline of the song musically put together and I co-wrote some of the lyrics too. Um, I think we had the chorus pretty well in place and then we had some different ideas for uh, verses, but uh, Chester came into the studio and he had some ideas for the blank spots and he had some ideas about changing stuff. And that was really, I didn't, I had talked to Chester, but I didn't know him um, well, I hadn't certainly didn't have any kind of like creative interaction with him at that point. And when he came into the studio, he had ideas ready to go. And we really just kind of, he loved the song, which was really why he was there. And instantly I'm talking within 10, 15 minutes of him walking in, we're passing a notebook pack, passing forth with pencils, like writing ideas and scatting out ideas. And, uh, I think there was this instant sort of creative trust that I felt and I, and I, and I feel pretty safely saying he felt that too. Uh, when you write music with someone, it can be particularly like a song like cross off, like lyrically, that's one of the first things we talked about is sort of where that lyric, the, where we're coming from lyrically with our ideas. And we were already pretty much in alignment, very personal stuff. So for you to get that vulnerable with someone that you just met, you know, and then for Chester to be the superstar that he is, you know, and walk in and be able to get vulnerable on that level, it speaks to the kind of guy he was, man. He's just a great, great dude, a real, real creative cat, man, like on the level. And I could just talk about that experience on and on, but just to sit behind the board and on the other side of the glass is Chester Bennington and me and Josh Wilbur, my producer, are just like tracking that song, the vocal for it. And every once in a while, I'll get a little note to him, hey, can you flip that like one note, try it one more note up on the scale, just a little note. And Chester just drilling it like on a technical, his technical singing ability was jaw dropping. Cause you know, no struggling, no, like, I don't know, man, I think we should do it. He's willing to try whatever. Cool. You know, just real, just a real open creative guy, man. Just a real super, super artistic guy, man. Can I ask you both as musicians, when you guys, connect with another like that like you haven't played with them before you knew of them you be, kind of became friends you did a song together what's it what's it like for like me just the layman term what's the feeling you get when you realize within five ten minutes you've got this connection um i think for me i'm so like when i'm in a work mode like i sort of get possessed by the song and by the idea so i don't really have a whole lot of ability or time or mindset to be like wow this is cool that comes later for me because mm -hmm. i'm so like this sounds like real new agey and stuff but when i have a song like i'm cooking up and i'm and i'm hearing stuff like even here like in this at my desk just doing a little quick demo don't ask me anything don't talk to me because i gotta get this down because <laughs> i feel like i'm this like antenna it's not coming from me you know what i mean like i'm just hearing it and so I really do feel like I'm sort of just lucky enough to be some sort of conduit. So when I'm working with someone like that, particularly in that setting where it was obviously not a bandmate, not we're not going to get together next week and work on the song some more. We're in the session, right? So I, we were just both like, just let's dig in. This is great. Cool. Can't wait to, you know, no, 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 don't forget that. Don't forget that. Okay. All right. And then the next part, you know what I mean? And it just gets so... 
I guess, kind of manic. Um, it's, it's, it's really one of my favorite things about the process of what I get to do is that feeling when all of a sudden you feel this sort of responsibility of the song coming together. And it's my job to nurture it and help it come to life uh, as best I can. And that's what it feels like for me. I would have to mirror exactly what Mark said. And there's different instances of that, right? I mean, Mark's in his story with Chester, probably most of the vocalists that participated in his releases like this, um, he's he's got the time. The, the production is in his head. He's just got to make sure that, like, that paintbrush that he's getting to use is actually doing its job on the canvas. And then there's the version of when you're just putzing around doing a co-write or something like that with somebody. And that energy is a completely different version of that energy, at least for me. Uh, when I sit in a room and I don't know this person, but they and they don't know me, and there's no real version of what we came to 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 create that we're expecting to leave with, um, it matters a lot more about that vibe between you and the other individual. Like it feel uh, it's when it clicks, it feels like step brothers. You know, like do we just become best friends? And then then the manic <laughs> really starts to happen, right? You know, then you're then you're kind of like, hey, do you remember this and this and this? And then you get off track, but you realize like hour or two had went by, and you're just talking about life. And that's the moments that like you really after that whole conversation happens, then it's uh, like tunnel vision for me at least. And I know that this person is on my team. We're going in the same direction. So. And if you don't get to that moment, Mark probably knows this more than I do. If you don't ever get to that moment, it's like an unspoken thing in that room. Like, oh, this is never going to work, but we'll just be, be do, do our due diligence to move through this motion, you know? And sometimes there's a middle, I think. Sometimes you can tough it through and it's just a little more, you know, you can come out. You know, I've had sessions with people where on the backside of it, I'm just like, damn, that was like pulling teeth. But it turned out great, you know what I mean? And then there's times when it's just like, damn, like we're done. Like, what we want to do another one? Like, you know what I mean? So it's, 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 and it's certainly I'm fortunate enough to be in situations where it's, where it's rarely because someone's not talented enough or good enough or whatever. It's just this kind of chemistry thing, you know? It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, I, I would imagine it's the same with sports. You can put great players on a team, but, Sometimes it just doesn't gel. And these are world-class athletes, world-class basketball players and football players. But if there's not, if for whatever reason, if it's not gelling or clicking, you can have the dream team, but they're not playing together, you know? And yeah. uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know how to plan for it or, or, or have a strategy to make it happen. I just know when it happens, like we're saying, I just get that rush of manic creative energy and I'm stoked about it. And then after the fact, it's like, wow, that was killer, man. And the beauty is you have this great, you know. Is there a, a great, slight great panic? Is there a slight panic to realize that this could be a fleeting moment? We have to grab it now? Because if we try to do this again tomorrow, it just won't <laughs> be there. We've got to nail it now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it just depends on, on the bit. I know. Uh, I'm glad... The Chester session went like it did because we didn't have a week booked. <laughs> we just had, I mean, I'm sure we probably could have got another session if we needed to, but sure. we certainly, we didn't need it that day. We didn't need it. Yeah. Hey, one thing I wanted to bring up on Ether is that sometimes these, some of these bands go a little, not forgotten, they fly below on the radar, but what Mark Morales from Sons of Texas did with Black. Oh, I know. Good Lord almighty. I mean, Pearl Jam fans should be like running towards that track. So that was, uh, I, you know, th this sounds like a story you tell on a podcast, but it, 
that was uh, really, so it was a really small session. It was me and Josh Wilbur, you know, Josh is like my best friend and he produces all my stuff too, like my solo stuff and lamb stuff. Right. So, okay. We were in his studio and Mark was out with us and we were cutting a couple songs with Mark. And uh, I had worked with Mark on a song on anesthetic as well. And I knew, I knew Mark and we had toured together because he's, he sings, he does the whole set in my solo band. He's my singer. Right. So he's in there and we're doing the session and we knew we were doing black and I had cut the guitar stuff the day before and he comes in and he made like, it's an acoustic song. So it's like, we're turning off the air conditioners and stuff. We're getting it all quiet in there and we're all in, got our cans on hold tight and it's like dark in there. And I'm just listening to him do a pass. And I'm going to tell you by the end of the first pass, he did like two, maybe three passes of that top to bottom. And then he came back later and punched the harmonies and stuff. But I'm not going to say I was crying, but my eyes were, I was like, it was emotional, man. It was like, holy cow. He really channeled like, you know, that song, that particular song, it's one of those tunes where it like means something to a lot. It makes someone, it makes people think of someone, whoever, whoever broke their heart when that song was out or whatever, you know what I mean? That was, or whoever, you know, and, I never really asked him who or what that energy was coming from or going to, but he had some energy going on that day, man, around that song. He sang the shit out of it. <laughs> That's really like a really important moment that you guys shared, you know, like, uh, again, I think you said it not to get, um, you know, super hippy dippy about it, but those moments are what it's all about. And I can't even, you know, taking that shit to the grave, to the, to the reclining chair when you're 80 years old and you're like, Oh yeah, that was tight. Uh, you know, like that memory that you just, it made many of them flash through my head, you know, of my own. And, um, I could, I'm not there. I have no idea. I know Mark I, uh, very well, but I have no idea what was going on in that smoke, that moment, but I just pictured it for myself and it made me feel the exact way that you're saying that you it was he- it's heavy it was heavy to, to, to watch somebody you know blow like that and and see see the emotion in their face and see how exhausted he was after two takes of that and he's nobody's saying anything and we're not being dramatic for dramatic sake because there's nobody watching us <laughs> there's no cameras you know what i mean so it was it's heavy and and you know that's again we talk about sort of that trust creatively you know, when you see someone that tuned into what they're doing and you know how you feel about your own music and how much of how much of of um, ourselves, you know, how much of myself I put into my songwriting and my music and, and um, you know, you see somebody else doing the same thing and then you know you're, you're working with the right cats, you know? Yeah. yeah. One of the really interesting tracks too, obviously, that people talk about was obviously the Black Crows cover with, with Lizzie Hale. And it's fun. It's interesting to see a female singing a male perspective song about mm. women. Yeah, and, that was that was yeah. the idea. That was the idea. So I wanted. I'm. I'm. You know, loud and proud Black Crows fan. I. I love the Black Crows. Uh, yeah. Steve Gorman played on two songs on the Anesthetic record, and Oof. yeah, uh, it was killer having him out. And um. Mark Ford played a solo on the on the Mark Lanigan song, and you know, so I'm a massive Black Crows fan, and so I I wanted to cover something, and Talks to Angels is obviously it's one of their bigger songs. It's a pretty obvious Black Crows song. It's not like it's a deep cut, but I did think, you know, the idea of having a woman sing it, sort you know, sort of flipped a lot of the. 
it just it just kind of gave it a different energy. Just and and before I knew it was going to be Lizzie, I was just like, I need to get a woman to sing this song, like somebody like that can really soulfully sing the shit out of it. And you know, if you need a, a woman to soulfully sing the shit out of a rock song, Lizzie's who you you know she's on your list. Yeah, she's yeah. quite em- quite empowered. <laughs> she's sure. on your list. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that well, record's actually talk- my favorite. My favorite record of all. Second favorite record, I should say, of all time. Specifically, the song "Seeing Things" is my emotional. Oh record. yeah, yeah. That's I can't put it on and not like leave. Oh, the that Black Crow's album is your second favorite. Second favorite record of all time. Yeah. Wow. Holy. Yeah. Shake your money. I love. Money. I love that Lions record they put out. That's like a that's like no, an underground a, cult classic, it's, right it's there. Like that one's that one doesn't get talked about. Don was produced that, and uh, yeah. But uh, I like the. For me, it's all about Southern Harmony. And uh, and Amorica, although I love all of them, I, lo- I love all of them, but um, Southern Harmony is pretty perfect. Man. Great that's, record, that's yeah, pretty perfect. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Lamb of God, shall we? Uh, all right, record. All right, we'll, just, we'll, we'll take a little a little foray into them. Uh, obviously, 2020, the self titled. I always love it when bands are like deep into their career and then they drop a self titled record. Oh, it just it's, it, a, it's confusing if you're like a newbie into the scene. Like, what record should I check out? This self titled one. I'm like. Yeah, why don't you check that one out? <laughs> Keep going backwards, okay? <laughs> but um, again, just another amazing record. I think eighth studio record at this point, eighth, ninth. Yeah, eighth studio. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, I Listen, think uh, not counting "Burn the Priest," which we're not counting. So yeah. Okay. Oh, I was man, say, I, can I talk of... about it? Because I have a couple cool questions. Absolutely. It's the same <laughs> band to me. Yeah, I was yeah. there for all of it. <laughs> yeah. That's for, that's my exact question. Except for Dwayne, I wanted to ask you about Dwayne. Oh yeah, yeah. When we get there. Okay. I don't want to interrupt you, Justin. I apologize. No, I want to hear about, let's go with Burn Priest. Let's kind of start from there. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, oh, thank you. Top to bottom. And, um, you know, as a, I'm 37, I've listened to all of the records since the, you know, the first time I could put a CD in, into a CD player. And I, I will, I, you know, I read the, the liner notes, all that stuff. And I, I never thought or knew, or was that tuned in at that period of time when the first, I guess Lamb of God proper record came out, right? And you were credited as Dwayne. Uh-huh. Uh, what was that all about? So it was. It wasn't really anything super mystic. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I think. So Dwayne is my middle name. Oh, it's my middle name, and, my and yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> that simple. And also, um, yeah, that's my name is Mark Dwayne Morton, and you know I'm. I'm a sober guy now, but I, I wasn't then. <laughs> and I, you know, we used to drink and party a lot. And at a certain point, um, my sort of, uh, this is how I remember it. The, the, the reason that part being part of the reasoning is that my, um, my mentality, my attitude, sort of my swagger changed a little bit. And Randy used to be like, that's Dwayne's coming out. You know what I mean? I was kind of a loud mouth, rednecky kind of, you know that dude and uh i don't know i just went with Dwayne. in the i probably the thought thought i was being coy somehow or something i don't know i didn't so I, we, we thought it was gonna make cool Dwayne almond tie in there but uh, no i love Dwayne almond <laughs> um but no it happens it's it's my it's my government name <laughs> oh man <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, thinking, I'm, I'm remembering yeah. little me on a toilet reading the t- liner notes i'm like uh, oh my god <laughs> well listen Dwayne? one thing that you, but you you and will have constructed is just these riffs 
and it's so notable. You hear a riff from Lamb of God, you know, boom, right away. And it's like you said, your blues, your blues player that plays metal, and that's where that swing is at. You have the swing to your riffs. You know, Slayer pummels. You guys kind of got a swing. To, doesn't matter how quick the tempo is. It, there's always a sw- little bit of a, a little swagger in the riffs. Yeah. Is that intentional or is it just your style of playing? I think it's, you know, it's probably a little of both. I mean, I think it's, um, I, it, everything about Lamb of God, Back to Burn the Priest, and really even all this stuff is, is very like grassroots, very natural. We, we, uh, we really just started in a basement in Richmond, Virginia as an excuse to, you know, drink a case of beer and make a bunch of noise, you know, sure. on a Friday night. And that's really, and then that was our ambition in the very, very beginning. And then our mission changed to like, we wanted to play a party and we did that. And then we wanted to play a bar and then we wanted to maybe get a show out of town. And then we wanted to do that again. And then maybe we could go and record a few songs. So every step of the way, like the idea that we would have had any designs or any sort of, uh, ambition even to get to where we have gotten gotten you know in the music industry would have been laughable and at times it still is because we're still those guys that were just like how the hell did that happen like how it happened um so to, to steer it back to your question uh so there was no you know i mean i I grew up listening to Aerosmith and Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchet and, you know, uh, and then Pantera um, and just a lot of real cool, groovy, bluesy stuff like the stuff, even Van Halen, like the stuff that that really appealed to me even before I was playing guitar or, or thought that I might was stuff that was heavy, hard rock, but had a blues element yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, so that I think is just in my DNA, not only as a player, but as a music fan. And I think as a band, we always played the music that we, we always played music that we wanted to hear in the very early days of the band. I would record on a cassette player, our, our pre- band practices, and I would listen to that shit because I thought it was cool. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just kind of who we are. And then um, in time, you start to realize that that's kind of part the character of the band and you sort of start kind of refining that and, and, mm-hmm. and polishing it. And then you start, you know, trying to see how you can push it and, 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 and make it evolve. And by that point you're like, okay, I'm a music guy. And so I'm going to take some risks with this and blah, blah, blah. But in the beginning, I mean, it's just how you sound. We just wrote what we wanted to hear. Well, you answer a lot of questions. Uh, Cause I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, it makes sense that basically Mark was influenced by flirting with disaster because I just, now I just hear that riff and what you play, but played at 78. <laughs> right on. That's cool. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, you know, um, my, I had a brother eight. I have, I still have a brother. He's eight years older than me, seven years older, seven or eight years older than me. And I'm, you know, so in, in this late seventies, um, when I was six or seven, my brother was 14, 15 years old and listening to all that great music yeah. that a 15 year old in rural, you know, Southeast Virginia would be listening to and Molly Hatchet and Leonard Skinner and, you know, all that good stuff, Blackfoot yeah. and all, and all yeah. that stuff, you know what I mean? So it's like that stuff was seeping through the, through the bedroom walls into my brain. 
isn't it funny? Like you sit there and go, wow, listen to Blackfoot. I'm then you eventually you meet Ricky Medlock and you're like, hey, I was so influenced by your playing that basically it's kind of what I do, but just real heavy. <laughs> I've never I've never met Ricky. Um, really? Okay. Now, Skinner uh, guy? Now we did play, we played with them not long ago, a couple of years ago, uh, at this big festival in France. And there are these two stages. Like it's it's not like a side stage or anything. They just have mirror stages so that they can keep the music going back and forth, right? And it just so happened that Leonard Skinner was playing on the stage next to us right before we went on, and they're late. They're late, uh, and there's clocks. You know, I don't know if any of your listeners would know this, but there's clocks on stage. You're supposed to be right on time at these festivals. They'll make you cut songs and stuff, and they're starting Freebird like five minutes before our set time, white room, we're supposed to start. And my tech, Jake, my guitar tech, Jake, he's from Kentucky. He's a good old boy, man. He's, it, we're starting Freebird and we're like, you know, putting our hands over our chest. We're like, we're going to be late, boys. This song's going to be about 10 minutes long. <laughs> and we sat there and listened to all of Freebird. And we, you know, we started about six or seven minutes late, but I thought that was great. That was a great reason to be right, to be late. That, that's so yeah. cool. <laughs> that <I'm> was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you're just like, it's all good. You know, mo mo most situations, like, especially wow. when you're built over them, right? You know, in a festival setting, you're like, wait, what? You know? But, like, yeah, how man. fucking cool is it that you get to carve out some of your, <laughs> your yeah, set for nah, this is All rise for the national anthem. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, imagine, <laughs> can you imagine walking up to Gary Rostin and afterwards and saying, you're going to have to cut five minutes out of that solo, man? Run. <laughs> you're going to have to run like hell to get away from No, I cannot. <laughs> no, I cannot imagine it. Mark, can I ask you about Richmond and being like, I find it so like, um, I'm familiar with the the scene there. I, I've known the Guar dudes, toured with them, played barbecue, all that stuff back back in the day a few different times. So, you know, with Cannibal Corpse, you guys, uh, uh, Municipal Waste, what was it like kind of like in those first years uh, of like kind of like cultivating what would naturally be what became? Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's such a cool creative element to this town um, has been since I got here. I got here when I was 17, going to college at VCU. I came from a really small town um, that did have some cool little music stuff going on, but uh, nothing compared to what I was walking into here. And Guar, you know, you mentioned Guar. Those dudes, it, they just have always been so supportive of the up-and-coming bands in Richmond and we were one of those bands and, and they were of us and they took us on our first national tour. Um, you know, when, when new American gospel came out in 2000, I guess it was, um, Guar was there. And as I understand it, the, the, you know, the promoters had a hundred bucks for us and Dave Brocky peeled off another 50 or a hundred bucks every night to make sure we could get to where we were going and maybe get a hotel room to all sleep on the floor and that kind of thing. And, that's the kind of dude Brocky was, um, and that's the kind of band Guar is, and they just really, really are. They, they, they're just those dudes. They do it for the right reasons. I mean, they, you know, it's it's for the love of the art and the and and for the music and um, for putting on the show. And and there's again, you know, you name some other bands, Municipal Waste for sure. They do great, um, great guys, great band. Um, and it's just, even before we broke, 
there was just always a veil was huge in town. And, and I was, you know, before burn the priest, I would play, I was playing like some punk bands and stuff like that. And we played shows with a veil and, and those guys did great. There's just always been a really cool music scene going on here. It's funny. It's Cause it's anywhere downstream. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's always seen as down, being downstream from DC. Right. So there's almost this kind of like this kind of like vengeful kind of like we're going to show DC <laughs> because we're badass down here in Southern Virginia. We got it going on, but you're right. You've got, you know, Municipal, Iron Reagan, obviously they're cast off from Municipal Waste, Pig Destroyer, even bands like Windhand, there's this kind of doomy cool. Yeah. So Virginia has this very unique sound. And uh, yeah, so again, it all comes back that kind of like, I always think about when I think about Virginia, I think about the Appalachians, right? You know, you think about that kind of thing and you're thinking, uh-huh. man, maybe that's where markets swing from. I, I, I'm always trying to figure out your sound. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. man. I think it's just, uh, like I said, it was just, some somewhere in that blackberry patch in james city county i got a little bit of <laughs> swagger in my riff <laughs> there you go. Hey, one thing that was super entertaining if there's anything entertaining about covid th- there was which is basically the lamb of god quarantine series mm. when you guys would get the, what you guys were peeling off during those sessions was just a staggering <laughs> and like cl- it was like clockwork i couldn't believe how tight it was well, we had to do something, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we had to do absolutely. Something. Uh, yeah, no, those were cool. Some cool stuff came out of that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was important to do, and it's certainly not unique to us, but I think it was important for bands to find some kind of way to feel like a band and feel like you're engaging your fans um, and just do something <laughs> rather than sit around and complain. So yeah, uh, those were a cool chance to do that. Well, we're now in a different world. Hopefully we're kind of slowly opening up and you guys have a big tour with, uh, well, co-headlining with Megadeth and Trivium and In Flames. So it's just like this metal tour of the year kind of thing. Uh, how'd that all come together? Or is this, I mean, if you could tell people about what's going on with that tour and what people can expect. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, going to be summer of, 2020 and obviously what you know the, the lockdown happened the covid stuff happened and um that was a real drag because you know certainly for a lot of reasons bigger than missing a metal tour but we were sure we were pretty jacked up about that it's a big bill and it's an exciting bill and it's a great bill for heavy metal in general like it just brings a bunch of great bands together um in in you know big places so um the fact that that's still managed to stick together and, and can actually happen now is, is a thrill. It's exciting. And um, it feels good to be able to realistically, you know, say we're doing this. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. How they come together. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, there's teams of people smarter sure. and probably better <laughs> paid than me that, you know, yeah. dr- dream up these kind of things. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm all for it, man. I mean, that's a that's a dream bill for a metal fan for sure. I was gonna say it's very interesting because you have In Flames as kind of the I, I I hate to use the word opener with In Flames because they are iconic, legendary. Absolutely, they're, they're, yeah. They're doing forty thousand in Sweden. Let's not kid ourselves. But it's interesting right. to see them over on the shores here, and it's such a unique perspective though because you do have metal fans, so it's an easy lead in for you know for them. To, hey, we don't yeah. have to win this audience over; they're already nah. with us. If you got um, if, if flames opening your show, you yeah. got a hell of a show happening right you're, there. You're doing pretty good. Hey, yeah. listen, we have a question for one of the ship rockers, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. And this is a question that we all, I think we all kind of want to know. The question's from uh, Joe Birch. He wants to know, what's it going to be like if you guys start off and you don't see anyone moshing? 
Well, what's it going to be like? I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's probably I don't know. Is it hard to mosh on a boat? No, <laughs> no. I'm talking about I'm talking about your tour. No, a boat. The boat's its own oh, thing. Man. I thought we were talking about the boat. Okay, <laughs> no, no, no. We will, we will, we will, we will definitely get to that. But we oh, okay. to know. I'm sorry, your tour. <laughs> okay, on the tour, uh, what's it going to be like? Yeah, well, yeah. well, I don't know. I guess it'll be kind of throwback. There have definitely been some shows before. Uh, Metallica comes to mind. We toured with Metallica on three different continents, and they were they were doing that show where it it's in that we're playing arenas, but it's in the middle of the arena, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like in the round. So that didn't lend itself to moshing anyway. It it lent itself to a lot of people sort of like kind of just watching, and then the fact that we were opening for Metallica. <clears throat> when you open for Metallica, this may be um, something Joe wants to consider when he. Uh, if he ever plans on opening for Metallica, uh, the nobody's there to see you. Nobody, <laughs> like they're in the building, they're in the building, but they're not there to see you. They're there to see Metallica, right? So we played plenty of shows opening for Metallica, which we were thrilled to do, and sure, um, sure. would jump at the chance to do again. I'm, I assure you. But we played pl- plenty of shows there where um, we started and nobody moshed. <laughs> Yep, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Mark, that they may have not come there for you, but they left knowing who you are. I think we made some fans. I do think we Absolutely. made some fans. And it Absolutely. was a wonderful opportunity. I'm, I'm making light of it, but that was that was a big, big yeah. step for us and really awesome of those guys. And we made some made some good friends on, on those tours. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it like shapes your insides as a band, like the, the DNA of who you guys are when like you're just up there and you know that nobody gives a fuck and you have to do the, what you what you can do to make sure that somebody at least gives a fuck and like you know there's nothing worse than getting a boo i don't know if you've ever been in your life booed on stage or had something thrown at you it's happened to me twice I definitely once. has thrown at me definitely has thrown. you have like not yeah. in a cool way like a like you know like a, a shitty thing get thrown at you yeah a full yeah. bottle of beer with all the fucking cap taken off yeah at a solo oh, cut, one time we were opening for Slayer, and and Slayer <laughs> notori- audiences are notoriously like not nice, but we've had great luck for you know I just yeah. because of the match pairing of the bands like Slayer fans have always from the jump been really receptive to Lamb, um, and that's cool because Slayer's those are hardcore diehard fans right, but you know not always. At one time I remember, no one's gonna believe this, but I swear it's true. We're playing this arena. And I'm on stage left, right? So if you're in the crowd, you're looking at me, I'm, the, I'm on the right-hand side. And it's, it's an arena, so there's like the floor, and then there's another whole layer of balcony. And I'm playing, I'm rocking out or whatever, but you kind of look around, keep your wits about you. And I see this red cup, like her, like a solo cup, like flipping <laughs> in like... Like doing what? What, do you, what would you call it? It's just flipping. It's doing like uh, cartwheels in the air. Yeah, <laughs> it's got your name written all over it. And damn if the thing doesn't <laughs> land right in the middle of my chest, and it's full of beer. How it stayed? <laughs> it stayed half full of beer, flipping through the air <laughs> and splattered all over my chest. And I was just like, I took my hands off the guitar. We're in the middle of the song. I started laughing. I was like, how the hell did that happen? Well, good thing those Jacksons are waterproof. Whoever whoever did that, it was just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they had to be like high-fiving everybody around it. It was a bullseye. And And your tech is figuring out who was sitting where and where Damo came from. I mean, honestly, I walked away from that being really grateful that it was beer. 
Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> could a cup worse. of piss. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, it could have been worse. <laughs> well, hey, guys, if you're joining us here on Shiprock, welcome. Um, listen, we talked earlier during the uh, during the podcast segment of this, and we were talking about the solo work that Mark had done with Ether and Anesthetic, and we've had plenty of Shiprockers, uh, Shiprockers who've appeared in the albums. Um, so go check those out, Anesthetic and Ether. Ether's kind of more of a... Uh, I guess would you want a bluesy acoustic? Some really great cover songs. Um, it's got a couple and covers, anesthetic. yeah. And a yeah. little more acoustic based and anesthetics, a little more full band sound and full fledged kind of hard. Yeah, rock and if, stuff. if you if you just kind of want to work your way in anesthetics, a good thing because there's some there's still kind of your sound there, but you definitely branch out in this more of rock uh, kind of feel. And obviously, guys, if you guys haven't picked it up yet, pick up the Lamb of God's self title from 2020. Um, that will definitely knock your socks off. Um, Chad, we, we, Mark, we do this thing called walk the plank and we ask a couple of questions of you, just kind of random questions. We want your deep philosophical answers. If you could please to these questions and usually don't revolve around music. Sometimes they might, but, uh, it's just something to have a little fun with. All right. Here's a little number for walking the plank, walking the plank. Number four, walking the plank. We're gonna walk in, yeah, walk the plank. Walk in. What was it that you got in, in trouble for the most when you were younger, like on the come up? In trouble, I was, I was actually, uh, I really was a pretty well behaved. Kid, I was just, a, a, I really was, man. Like, I was a, a real nerd. Uh, I sucked at sports. I was just kind of like the chubby, geeky kid that wasn't, couldn't hit a baseball and just too short for football. And I sucked at skateboarding. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I was just kind of a quiet, nerdy kid. And then I found guitar. Um, so what did I get in trouble for? I got busted drinking a couple of times and that kind of thing. Like, you know, drink, you know, cops, small town, bust you drinking beer and that kind of thing. But um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really a trouble kid, man. Interesting. Yeah. A good wholesome Mark Morton. Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty, kept it pretty together. Uh, you know, made up for that a little bit later in life. But as a kid, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I caught up in my 20s. A... Well, let me ask Mark a question then. Uh, Mark, if you weren't playing guitar, what do you think you'd be pursuing as your career in life? Well, that's... Uh, I. It's probably one of a couple of things. So I, um, I did go to college and I graduated uh, with a bachelor's degree in political science. Um, I got minors at the same time in international relations and African-American studies. And I went on to graduate school um, for, I was pursuing a master's degree in international relations. I dropped out of graduate school. I was doing very well, but I dropped out because um, I felt like I wasn't a hundred percent immersed. I felt like by the time I get in graduate school and I'm getting a master's degree, I should be living and breathing this stuff. And I was really way more focused on music. So at the time, I was like, you know, maybe I'll come back to this um, academia kind of thing, but I'm going to make a real solid run at just trying to do something with music because that seems to be what's really kind of pulling me like gravity. 
Um, So it's possible that my goal at that time with school was that I wanted to be a political science professor. So I might have been that um, had I not pursued music. Also, I spent a fair amount of time doing um, like completely left turn here, uh, doing slate and copper roofing on some of the really old. There's a lot of old buildings around here that have like, you know, very um, ornate very you know historically correct slate and copper roofing and i got lucky enough to work with some guys that do beautiful stuff around that trade so i i I got pretty decent at that and was making decent money doing that that's what i was doing uh when lamb got signed and when Mm -hmm. or you know when it started becoming the kind of thing where um we were going out on tour for a few weeks and coming back and i was actually had money to pay you know my bills and to you know, put some away and that kind of thing. So I, I guess I would be either be a, a college professor or um, a roofer. I was going to say, well, the thing about touring is, is you have international re- relations all over the world now. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, yeah. I was going to say, imagine Mark Morton, U.S. <laughs> diplomat to Czechoslovakia for the U.S. That would have been great. That would have been a great title. Listen, we have a, I want to get to two questions real quick from, from, and, and, and Chad, we'll get one more walk to plank, but I'm going to grab these before no, uh, I think that's anything. Great. Uh, Let the fans Jen, go. Jen Wallerman wants to know, and I had a question, but I didn't want to refer it to music. Out of all the riffs you've done, which one really sticks out? I know every week it probably changes, but what riff this week sticks out for you at the one you've written? Um, yeah, that's always a tough question. I sure. there, there are some key songs that um, I really do feel like are special ones. And of the ones that I've sort of um, kind of, directed or, or or really sort of led the way with in terms of the creative process i think memento mori from the from the most recent album i think is a really special song yeah. um i love that one i think walk with me in hell has kind of stood the test of time as being a really um awesome song really on a lot of levels and um you know cross off is so special to me too uh, just the way that the from the solo stuff the way that turned out and they've had that experience with Chester. So those are, those are three pretty big songs for me in terms of like the, the career discography. Those are all my favorites too. So, well, I've been, <laughs> I right. can't get, I can't get shake checkmate out of my head. Um, and Chris Sosa want to know, uh, are you guys going to be putting any burn the priest tracks into the new set? I don't know. That's a good question. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, we have done it before. It's been a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I wouldn't rule it out. The thing with these sets, though, is it's tricky. Uh, if we did, if we do, when we do, if we do, it'll probably be on a full-fledged like headlining tour where we can stretch out and play an hour and a half um, sure. on these more festival-style uh shows we tend to be a little constricted in terms of like how long we could play. And there's just there's so many lamb songs at this point, eight, nine records in that. that um, people expect to hear that our, um, you know, our elasticity with the set list becomes tighter and tighter because yeah. how are we, you know, now we have to play five, one, two, we have to play late to rest. We have to play redneck. We have to play walk with me to hell. We have to play ruin. We have, you know what I mean? So like the list, you know, there's half, if you, if you got an hour and 10 minutes to play half the set list is songs that are pretty much mandatory. 
isn't it funny sometimes that success can kind of box you into a corner? Hey, man, these are good, good Cadillac, <laughs> that's great stuff, Cadillac that's great problems stuff. right here. Yeah, yeah, right, Cadillac right. Problems. Well, um, <laughs> real quick, we want to ask about the cruise. You're going to be doing uh, some solo sets for us. And will you be bringing Mark from Sons of Texas on the on the boat to do those with you? That is the plan, yep. Fantastic. You guys heard it here first. Uh, Mark Morales from Sons of Texas. You guys are always asking about him. Well, guess what? He's going to come on in 2022 and they're going to do some special shows, him and Mark, and uh, hopefully some guests. Um, yeah, hope, of, hope so. It's a, a little bit of flexibility on the cruise. There is. It's going to be fun. I mean, I, um, you know, Lamb is going to do our thing. And then for, for my appearances for the solo side, um, it's just going to be really low key and fun, man. We're going to do some covers and. Um, hopefully link up with some of the other folks. Uh, don't have anything worked out yet, but I'm you know just loosely thinking about maybe trying to reach out to some of the folks that are going to be there and maybe do something fun. I, I got to tell you from past experience, two two instances. One was uh, Joy Belladonna doing his journey set acoustically. Was, oh, wow, uh, that's cool. If we do it in the atrium, it's beautiful. And then uh, Bumblefoot with uh, with Jeff Tate doing uh, some Queensryche uh, stuff like Silent oh, wow. City. It's just like, yeah. it's kind of like you're at midnight. And you're like, why is my skin on the back of my neck? Why is a hair up? This is yeah. crazy. So we're looking forward to that. Um, guys, Mark, obviously, thank you guys out there. Uh, this episode will be dropping this Monday, the what? Oh, Memorial Day. So is it Memorial Day? Yeah. The 31st. It is. Yeah. It is. So we will be dropping this full episode on um, wherever you get your podcast. We'll, guys, we'll, we'll give you a brief on the weekend about that. Mark, thank you so much. Hey man, my pleasure. Fantastic, man. You guys made it easy, man. Easy to easy yeah. to sit and kick it with you guys about music. Uh guys, check out uh Mark's solo work. We've talked about um you can get that wherever you basically can get music. If you want to go buy brick and mortar, go buy the vinyl. Always buy the vinyl. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's sick. Back that. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously check them out uh, when they go out with Megadeth Trivium and In Flames this is it's fall, right? Fall or summer fall? Uh starts in August. Late August. Summer and fall. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. Listen, congratulations on everything. Congratulations on everyone getting back to work and getting back on the road and do what you guys do. Yeah, and man. we couldn't be more stoked as Al before we went on said the fact that you guys are on board and, and kind of helping us anchor this thing is amazing. And the fans, they didn't see that. But we always do this. Hey, who do you think is going to be headlining? And then when we dropped your name, it was like no one was expecting that and it was, it was, blue <laughs> there was so, so much excitement seriously man. yeah that's great man we're, we're stoked to be a part of it so it's yeah. gonna be fun it's gonna be fun yeah fantastic anyway uh everyone thank you for joining us tonight remember monday it drops you can listen to the whole thing please go and check it out the first 30 40 minutes um really great stuff with mark so thank you again see you guys later mark thanks brother all thanks, right thank man. you guys thanks for having right. me take care you bet you congratulations bet. All right, thanks, man. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.